0: Welcome back to Making Good, the podcast for small businesses who want to make a big impact. I'm your host, Lauren Tilden, and this is episode 192. Repeat after me, Google Analytics. How does that phrase make you feel? If intimidated comes to mind, you are definitely not alone. Today's guest is here to tell you that actually, not only is Google Analytics or data analytics in general, something that doesn't have to be scary, but it can actually be an essential tool in your small business toolkit. Would you believe me if I said having a handle on your data can even be a stress reliever? Abby Bloom Suds offers online business management services and products for visionary entrepreneurs who don't want to stress over the details. She primarily works with folks whose life circumstances, things like chronic illness or neurodivergence, mean they need their businesses to work for them in specific ways. To Abby, understanding and utilizing your data is one way to make life easier. It can even relieve some of the self-doubt and imposter syndrome that can arise for business owners just starting out. I loved talking with Abby and I learned so much. No matter what life circumstance you find yourself in as a small business owner, there is so much gold to take away from this conversation. In this episode, we talked about how not to be overwhelmed by data analytics, the kinds of data that are relevant for small businesses to pay attention to. The benefit of tracking analytics, the change happening with Google Analytics, and what folks need to do. Abby's philosophy of data over drama, which I love, why it's important to detach your self worth from your business performance, and more. Don't forget to stay tuned till the end of the episode for this week's Small Biz Spotlight. This is going to be the last installment of this segment for a while while we collect more interviews, and this one is a gem. But first, here's my conversation with Abby. Abby, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Lauren. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to have you. You are in that category of guests for the podcast of people whose expertise is so not mine that it's always really fun because I'm like, get to ask all the questions that I genuinely have. And, you know, I know my audience does too. So our zones of genius do not overlap, which is a fun (laughs) A fun combo to have here. I'd love for you to just introduce. I gave you a little bit of an intro in the lead into this conversation, but I'd love for you to introduce yourself and your business. And like, you know, I kind of said, I referred to your zone of genius, but tell our audience what that is as well.
1: Okay. Well, I am a systems coach and online business manager. I primarily work with visionary entrepreneurs who kind of need their businesses to work around all kinds of life stuff, um, things like chronic illness or neurodivergence. I've been helping people specifically with using statistics and analytics to answer questions and make decisions for over 10 years. First, as a sociology professor, and now as a data analyst for small business owners. That's part of what I do with my online business manager clients and with my students in some of my courses. It's so interesting,
0: the idea of like being a data analyst for a small business. And I think (laughs) like this the size of businesses who often are listeners of this podcast tend to be like very small businesses. Like it's just them. Maybe they have a tiny, tiny team. Generally it's pretty small. Mm -hmm. Um, What would you say to someone listening who is in that category? Who's like, okay, I'm too small to like have a data analyst or to spend a lot of effort thinking about data analytics.
1: You know, that is one of the biggest myths that I hear every day. Mm -hmm. Um, the, The idea that data analytics are really just for big corporations or people with big budgets or big businesses, really established businesses. Data analytics can help any business, any business, especially if you're operating online. And really, even if you're not, you're generating some kind of data. And that data Mm -hmm. can be used to tell you a lot about what's working and what's not working in your marketing and in your sales funnel and in your emails. (laughs) It can tell you so much about what's working and where you're wasting your time. So especially for small businesses. I think that this is especially important for um, small businesses and even more so for small business owners who just have a very, very limited amount of time. I know everyone has a limited amount of time, but sometimes you are one of those business owners who has kids. And you know I am neurodivergent. I live with multiple chronic illnesses. I probably have an even more limited time bank than some people do, or maybe not time, but energy. And Mm -hmm. when it gets that limited, you have to be really selective about where you place your time and what you focus on, right? And. one of the amazing things that you can do with data is figure out where your time is best spent. What's actually getting you the closest to your goals, or what's actually giving you the most impact to bring in the most sales, get you the most clients, grow your revenue the most? The, those numbers can tell you where to look for that if you know where to look.
0: Mm-hmm. That's such a good point that in some ways, data and analytics could maybe even more important for the smallest of businesses where you're wearing so many hats and your time Maybe limited like a, just cause you're a small business owner wearing all the hats or b, for another reason. Like you mentioned a couple just life circumstances that like, that is a reason to especially think about considering this. We don't have extra people with extra time and like big budgets that like, you know, wasted time can really fit into. We have like, The bare minimum, most of the time. Exactly. For some of us more than others, even. So, um, that's such an interesting point. I think someone listening who probably was very compelled by that answer is like, okay, yes, I should be tracking my analytics. That doesn't change the fact that, like, the sheer volume of analytics that we have access to these days, like, any tool you use has a ton of numbers associated with it. Like, I don't know. There's just... Even myself as someone who I literally studied economics in college, I used to tutor econometrics. Numbers are not scary for me. But still, I find myself like overwhelmed by the sheer amount of things I could be tracking and paying attention to. So how do you not be overwhelmed by the process of tracking analytics?
1: This is such an important point, and especially since I'm talking about people who are probably already overwhelmed by things. Mm -hmm. And then I tell you, well, you should be doing this one more thing. (laughs) That that probably sounds terrifying. So... (laughs) Yeah. How, how to not get overwhelmed by this, especially like you said, there are so many numbers that you have access to. If you log into any of your dashboards, you're going to see so many different things. If you go and try to Google a list of the most important business metrics to pay attention to, every single list is going to be different and every Mm -hmm. single list is going to have way too many options on it. So what I focus in on is points of conversion. And what I mean by that is if you look at any given sales funnel, you look at the point where a person passes from one phase of the sales funnel to the next phase. So I usually start by looking at traffic and whether or not the funnel is getting enough traffic to even tell anything about what's going on in the funnel. And then looking at how that traffic becomes a subscriber, So, that conversion point, the the rate of conversion from a visitor to a page, for instance, to a freebie opt in, that conversion rate is going to tell you whether or not you're on track, like how, whether or not you're getting enough of your traffic to convert. I want to say that the average that you're usually looking for with like a freebie opt in is around 20%, the last I knew. Um, like mm-hmm. that's that's kind of considered a good opt-in rate. So if you have a hundred people visiting your your opt-in freebie sign up page and you get twenty of those to actually sign up, that is a good rate of conversion. Mhm. And figuring out those conversions, figuring out what that 1 point of conversion is for each step in your funnel. If you monitor those and they fall below the expected or the average good rate, then you know that there's something wrong with that particular point in your funnel. Does that make sense? Yeah. So for for any funnel, And I know that this is kind of starting to sound a little bit complicated, but you want to look for those points of conversion. And one of the things that I've tried to do is make this really easy for business owners by putting it together in a cheat sheet that I'd love to give your audience as a gift. Um, I can definitely leave you the link for that so that they can download that. It helps walk you through which of the numbers you actually need in order to get those conversion rates at each point in your funnel. So that mm-hmm. it boils it down to, I wanna say like there are 10 metrics really that you should be paying attention to on like a monthly basis, maybe. Yeah. Not a hundred, <laughs> just ten. And honestly, sometimes for some of my clients, I don't even look at things that often. We might look at things Quarterly, if they're feeling good about how it's going, I look at it more often if there is some kind of concern about their revenue or how many conversions they're getting, how many sales they're getting. But otherwise, it, I might even only look at it quarterly.
0: That's such a good point, and I think like what the from what you just described, the thing I want to underline is like you're not talking about having to go into every single tool you're using. And look at the dashboard and like analyze it. You're talking about like pulling 10 different numbers from wherever that you need to get them. Like, okay, I need to figure out how many people came to this landing page. Or if it's an e-commerce site, how many people came to this product page or came to my homepage. So I know where to go to find that piece of information. I take that number, I plug it into the... Wherever I'm tracking it. Mm -hmm. So it's not a matter of like doing this full analysis of every single platform you have and every like analytics tab on every different tool. It's a matter of like, okay, these are the 10 numbers I need to go find, go log in, find them where you need them, pull them into that one place. And I think that's just like the idea of looking at something that has 10 numbers on it versus like the literally thousands of different numbers across your different tools that you may be using. That's such a permission to like, make it easy on yourself.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That also can help with the overwhelm of trying to analyze because people like me can fall into a slightly different trap of overanalyzing everything and Mm -hmm. thinking that everything is interesting and therefore everything must be important. Um, And it's really not. (laughs) there, There are certain things that are important if you're trying to fix a certain issue but you don't actually have to track them on an ongoing basis. Mhm. Yeah,
0: it's such good permission. You have a philosophy that we talked about in email a little bit that I am so looking forward to hearing more about and that is the concept of data over drama.
1: Could you explain this? Absolutely. Data over drama is a phrase that one of my business coaches shared with me. It is something that she says over and over again when she's working with people. And it resonated with me so much because it fits exactly what I needed to hear Mm -hmm. (laughs) and what I think a lot of people need to hear that whenever you are working in your business, you need to keep a data over drama mindset, meaning that you need to keep a mindset that is looking at the data and looking at what it can tell you, seeing the story, reading the story, that it can tell you about what's working and what's not. As opposed to a drama mindset might be, you know what, the, I think the best way for me to explain this might be to give an example. Yeah. So let's say you just had... A brand new launch for a product that you are super excited about and you are so excited to share it with your audience. And you had a goal of getting, I don't know, let's say 20 sales for this very first launch. And you got five. So the drama mindset might be oh, I only got five sales. My offer wasn't interesting. I'm not interesting. I'm terrible at this. I'm a bad salesperson. And on and on and on, right? All of the bad spiraling thoughts about you as a person and your capabilities and all of those things. But if you take a data mindset over that, then you look at it and say, okay, I got five sales. How much traffic did I actually drive to... My sales page, how much, how much traffic did I actually get in front of this offer? How many eyeballs (laughs) saw this offer? And if you got five sales and you got 100 people to look at that offer, that means that you had a 5% conversion rate. And for a digital product, that's amazing. Like the. Mm Um, I think the average and for a
0: physical product also.
1: Yeah. Yeah. For anything being sold by a sales page, it, it is different if you're selling something like through a sales call, like, um, higher level coaching and things like that. If you're selling it through a sales call, that actually has a higher conversion rate because there's that extra touch, but for something being sold through a sales page your average is really only like maybe 1 to 5%. Probably more in like the 1 to 2% range. 5% is pretty amazing. So if you look at it like that then the the story that the data is telling you is that you were able to drive enough traffic to make 5 sales and the fact that you made those five sales means that things like your copy is probably on point. Your sales page is probably really good. It like It's resonating with people. Like All of those things are working. And so the only thing that you have to do in order to make it better next time is figure out how to drive more traffic. And I'm not going to say that that's easy because that's one of the things mm-hmm. that I struggle with is the driving traffic part. But you, but you know what to do. Yeah, you can see where the problem is and it has nothing to do with you as a person. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So when I say data over drama mindset, that's what I'm getting at is looking at what's actually going on beyond the very unlikely scenario that you are not good at your job or nobody likes you, even Mm -hmm. if those are the like voices in your head telling you things like that.
0: Yeah, and this kind of starts to touch on another thing that I know we wanted to talk about, which is the idea of detaching your personal self-worth from how your business is doing. This is something I think so many of us and I certainly relate to this idea of like I feel really great when things are going really well, and then when maybe I'm having a little rougher point business-wise, that can really bring me down like in all ways and <laughs> around oh, absolutely. my whole life. So, Do you have any thoughts on like just this idea in general? And then also like maybe any tips for how to, how to detach a little bit.
1: I, yeah, it, this is such a big thing for me as well. I, let's see, what was I I just going to say? I was, I I was going to say I have ADHD and therefore I forget (laughs) what I'm going (laughs) to (laughs) say. So Along with that ADHD comes something called rejection-sensitive dysphoria. I think a lot of people have heard of this by now, that kind of gut punch that comes anytime you have any kind of perceived um, <laughs> failure or... Yeah, any any kind of perceived failure, any kind of perceived rejection, mm-hmm. it, it's like that gut that punch to the gut that's like, suddenly everything in your life is awful because one little thing went wrong. Right. All or nothing. Yeah, exactly. And so it's very easy to fall into that trap of, well, I didn't succeed at this thing that I've tried right away. And Mm -hmm. like, I was so excited about it and it didn't work. It's so easy to think that it didn't work because of you or because of something that you did or didn't do that, that had some kind of moral basis. And it, it doesn't, Mm -hmm. that's, that's one of the things that I love about data so much. And I guess that this is probably my big tip is unsurprisingly rely on your data. Yeah. Yeah when when you start to feel like this go to your data because your data is going to tell you the truth numbers don't lie our interpretations about them can so we have to be mm-hmm. careful about that but numbers don't lie so if you are feeling like you are awful at what you do because something didn't go quite like you wanted it to if you go and look at the data the data is going to tell you that most likely you are good at what you do. There's mm-hmm. just something that needs to be adjusted. Right. And being able to do that, being able to look at that additional evidence that it's not you, it, it at least helps me. <laughs> I, I guess I don't know how much data helps other people with how they feel about themselves, but mm-hmm. statistics have always helped me feel better about myself for some reason. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, I think that's great advice. I think for me just like coming from a different perspective I'll just say that like what has been helpful to me in these moments of like things feel hard or I'm feeling discouraged because something didn't go the way I wanted it to I and actually I use this not just in my personal like not just in business life but like in my personal life all the time um I just remind myself that Almost always like we're doing the best we can, <laughs> you know, yes. like whatever happened, I was, I did the best thing I could and I knew how to do in the moment or like I did what I felt like I needed to do in the moment to like take care of myself or like something else. So that's kind of the, the refrain that I always have going through my head. Even right now, like we were just chatting before we hit record about some like drama I'm having with my dog and my kid and what I'm reminding myself even with my dog who's like not been on her best behavior is like she's doing the best she can you know like she's she's doing the best she can in the moment and like it just helps me have empathy for her I do this with people in my life and I do this for myself as much as I can like when when I'm feeling upset about something or regret or like kind of like being hard on myself which happens all the time in business probably for most people listening (laughs) yes what is most helpful to me is always to just remind myself that like I did the best I could and that I knew how to do in the moment. I'm sure I can learn something from this, but like, you know, just having that compassion, I think is really important too.
1: It is. That is so important. And I think it's a lot easier for us to do it for other people, honestly, than it is for ourselves, Mm -hmm. but it's so important for us to do it for ourselves too. Yeah.
0: It is, it is hard, but I, I feel like it's a practice. Like I've gotten a lot better at it. Yes. And just like, just reminding myself to do it. I'm like, okay, you know, like that thing didn't go as I wanted, but like I did the best I could and that I knew how to in the moment. Now I've learned some things and I'll do a little bit different next time. Mm-hmm. And I guess that brings us back to data is like one thing I like doing after any kind of launch or trying new thing is like to do a bit of a debrief, which is really data driven most of the time where you're like, You know, how did it go? What went well? What didn't go well? How many people signed up? How many people converted? And just like looking at everything and being able to, you know, take a little bit of space, look at the data, look at the numbers, like you say, and like really understand what happened and not just have that like emotional reaction to it. You can figure out what to do differently next time and like kind of let yourself move on.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So one big, when we're talking about analytics, one big part of that would be like web analytics. Most of us, we either promote our business or make sales over the internet, online, through our website. And with tracking website performance, the tool that most people, I would say, listening probably use, if anything for that, is Google Analytics. There is a big change happening, like has just happened, actually, with Google Analytics. I'd love for just like, let's talk about Google Analytics a little bit. Before we talk about the big change happening, what is it why should people consider using it any tips on like just for from like the absolute beginner's perspective what is Google Analytics and why is it something we should consider paying attention to
1: yeah so Google Analytics is a completely free service that Google offers for anybody who needs to track their website analytics if you are tracking, Analytics for a shop or for a WordPress website or, you know, Stripe from anywhere, you're probably tracking those analytics somehow through Google Analytics. So it is basically this gigantic database. I, I imagine it kind of like living in this big void up in the sky or something. I guess that is just collecting all of these numbers (laughs) that your website is cranking out and putting them together into... Charts and reports so that you can pull all of the numbers that you might possibly need to understand things like what your audience is doing on your website, what they do when they get there, what kinds of content is drawing their attention the most, what pages they're visiting, what they're clicking on, what kinds of things they're downloading. If it's set up properly, you can also pull in information about. Things like the ads that are sending visitors to your website. It, it's just, it's giving you all of this information about what's happening on your website and what people are doing and who your audience is, what kinds of things they like, what kinds of things they're responding to that can give you a chance to really target what you're doing in your business to who you're trying to target, who you're trying to get to purchase your products or your services. And you can also tell what they're doing and whether or not your message is really resonating with them, or if you need to make adjustments in your funnel to certain parts because you're losing too many people at a certain page or something like that. So mm-hmm. it, it gives you all of this information that, again, a lot of it you don't need unless you're trying to look at something very specific, but it's all there and available for you to use when you need it. As long as you have it set up, Google is just automatically tracking all of this stuff, <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think you explained that really well that, like, it's basically telling you when people get to your website what they're doing and what they're responding to. And that's a really magical kind of piece of information to have access to because behind the scenes, like, we build it, we put the buttons, we write the product descriptions, but we don't totally know what's going to happen when people land there and, like, how they're going to react. Or are they going to decide to? Click the button or submit the form or make the purchase. And
1: are they even going to scroll down the
0: page? (laughs) Yeah. And it's amazing that basically anything someone does from the second they get to your website, like you can kind of see that and understand it. So it's a really powerful resource that we all have access to. Like you say, it's totally free. Um, You know, I think this kind of brings us back a little bit to like the overwhelm (laughs) conversation where like... Even myself, again, as someone who like is very numbers friendly. It's in my background. I've done a lot of numbers stuff. I'm still even overwhelmed when I log into Google Analytics and I'm like, ah, like what's going on here? Yes. Uh, any any like additional things to say about like someone maybe just starting out or who has Google Analytics set up but is like, you know, doesn't really go in there because it's overwhelming. Like what would you say there?
1: You know, it It really is. It can be very overwhelming. I guess one of the things that I would say is that the new version that they released, they originally released it in um, 2020 and it's now the only version. So if you go there now, this is the only version that you will get access to if you're signing up new now. But they have simplified things a lot from what it used to be and they've tried to break it down so that you can look at what your business goal is and they try to just give you some graphs and some data that is useful for those goals. Now, what I will say is that I think it's still too complicated. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. if if somebody is really interested in getting into this, this is one of the things that I um, work on with people, with my clients is designing some custom dashboards and things like that. And I'm, I'm really excited. I I hope that it's okay that I share this. Actually, I forgot to ask, but of course. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm launching a course on how to use Google Analytics for like as we're recording this. So by the time it's live, that course will probably be available for people. And. The whole idea behind this course that I'm putting together is to try and make this really super simple, walking people step-by-step through exactly how to set up their account so that it's going to collect all of the information that they need, even if they don't need it all right now, and then showing people exactly what to look at depending on what they're business goal is and how to interpret those numbers and what to do with those numbers once they have them. Mm -hmm. So I'm working on that right now. And I would absolutely love to be able to share that with yeah. your audience as well. If, yeah, we'll make sure that that's
0: in the show notes when awesome. this episode comes out.
1: Yeah. And yeah. I'll, I'll also be emailing my email list about it. So if you do sign up for that minimal metrics cheat sheet, I'll also be sending more information about it as it comes out. Amazing.
0: So you've talked about this a little bit, but maybe just to be a little bit more Um, in depth about this, like there is a big change that's kind of just happened with Google Analytics and it's moving from Universal Analytics to Google Analytics 4. Do people who have already installed Google Analytics, whether or not they're using it or not, like, do they need to do anything? If so, what? And if someone's brand new to Google Analytics, how do they get set up?
1: If you already have it installed, there really isn't anything else that you need to do right now. If you did have universal analytics it is important to keep in mind that any of the data that was collected under universal analytics didn't transfer over into the new version so right now you know they they completely retired universal analytics on July 1st so on July 1st all of the data started going into Google Analytics 4 before that it was kind of going into both and So if you want to be able to compare data from, let's say, 2020 or 2022 before Universal Analytics was retired, you're going to want to go in and save any of the data that you might want to look at. And... That doesn't have to be super complicated, really. I think the only things that I've saved are some of my traffic details for like one year before the Mm -hmm. retirement date. Because the reason that I say this is that that information is only going to be available through the end of this year. Those those old numbers in Universal Analytics are only going to be available through the end of this year, six months from July 1st. So after that, the only thing that you'll be able to get to at all is the data going into Google Analytics 4. Um, okay. Again, the only reason that that would be important is for comparison's sake. It's It's really not an urgent, like, you need to drop everything you're doing in your business right now and go do this. <laughs> no, it's it's not that deep. But if you want to be able to look at last year's data and say, well, this was a really busy time in our year, and we want to be able to prepare for that this year. Having just a year's worth of traffic data for, let's say, your major sales pages and your major opt-in pages, if you have freebies having that information is going to be about all you really need to keep a hold of if you need to keep a hold of anything, honestly. Mm-hmm. If you are just getting started, though, when you go to Google Analytics, it's automatically going to have you set up a GA4 property. That That's just the kind of account that you're going to get now. And uh-huh. as long as you had an account during the transition, I'm, I'm pretty sure I, I don't think I'm making this up, but I'm pretty sure that they just kind of automatically made everybody a Google Analytics for account at one point, if you didn't already do it yourself manually. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there really shouldn't be anything else that you need to do beyond that.
0: So not as overwhelming as maybe we might have felt it was going to be. <laughs> yeah.
1: I hope not. I always feel like the the way that things are coming out of my mouth makes them sound really complicated. So I, no. I hope that, <laughs> no, I hope that I I'm mean, getting it across that it's really not. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's like save the stuff you think you might want to compare again in the future, and like just let other stuff go. You don't, you yeah. Kind of
1: like digital minimalism, practicing digital minimalism yes. a, a little bit. I yeah, I can tell you right now, you are not going to care a year from now what your bounce rates were today. Yeah, like you're not going to care. Mm-hmm. You're going to care about like the number of sales that you made and the no- amount of traffic. You're going to care about those conversions and how they're measuring up against next year.
0: Right. Important perspective. Okay. Well, this has been so much fun. I am thrilled to share this with my audience to kind of help take some of the overwhelm and the stress out of the idea of analytics and really to kind of encourage them to take a new perspective around analytics as it's instead of something extra to add to your plate as something that can actually help you take things off your plate. I think that's a really important perspective shift that if folks are really listening, hopefully they have received the way that I have. So I am so grateful for your expertise and everything you shared. I want to ask you some of the questions that I get to ask all of the guests that I have on my podcast. And the first one is, how do you approach doing good through your small business?
1: Yeah, um, that's actually one of the reasons that I was really excited to come on this podcast is Yay. your entire focus on doing good. Um, Aww. I mentioned before that I am a neurodivergent entrepreneur. I'm living with multiple chronic illnesses and. My mission really is to help simplify running a business, especially for people who identify as neurodivergent or belong to other marginalized communities so that they can build something for themselves. You know, Mm -hmm. I, I didn't really get into the whole online business world until after I had my daughter almost seven years ago now. And Pretty much everything fell apart. I I developed those (laughs) chronic illnesses, or maybe they got bad enough that I suddenly noticed them. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But everything kind of fell apart. And I really needed something for myself. I wasn't able to work outside of the home anymore for a very long time. I'm still not to a certain extent. And I I really needed something that wasn't just me being mom. I needed something that was for myself. And Mm -hmm. so I started to try to build this thing. And part of what I realized through developing my own skills and realizing where my interests really lie was that I could help other people do the same thing, that they, I could help them build something for themselves as well yeah. through this, this weird thing, this data, these numbers so that people can build something for themselves so that they can make their own dreams come through. And it, it kind of in, in my mind, it's kind of this ripple effect, right? This ripple effect of positive change, being able to help somebody do something that is going to improve their life so that they can go on and help other people improve their lives. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm trying to do it all through this this thing called analytics. (laughs) Yeah. No, I think
0: it's such a good example of, I think ripple effects, like I believe that ripple effects are everywhere, positive and negative. Like everything you do has some Mm -hmm. kind of ripple effect. So every decision we make is an opportunity to, you know, decide what kind of ripple effect that's going to be. So I'm like totally on board with that idea. And I think your business and your approach is such a great example of just how, Many different types of ways there are to do good. I love kind of exploring this question because when I first started out, I was like, okay, the way to make a positive impact through your business is to donate money, like to donate a percentage. That's like what I thought starting out. Mm -hmm. And as I've done this podcast for the last few years, I'm like, wow, there are like so many creative and like really important ways that small business owners are changing the world. And like, I think for you, it's about. Making it possible, like you say, for people to have businesses that support their lives and that support their dreams and, you know, are fulfilling without taking over their lives and allowing work to be possible in a way that it isn't always given different life circumstances. So,
1: Exactly.
0: Yeah, I'm, I love it. What would be one small business that you admire?
1: I had to think about this a lot when I saw this question. <laughs> I'll, I'll be entirely honest because there are actually quite a few small businesses that I really admire. Um, but the one that I wanted to mention today is Courtney Foster Donahue. She kind of, I think she's going by Courtney and Co, Courtney and Company, some now too, but she is, um, a small business owner that teaches businesses how to develop courses. I'm, I met her because I took her course, the course course. <laughs> <laughs> and she has helped me build this analytics course that I'm building, along with a lot of my micro products that I use to bring in leads. And part of the reason that I admire her so much is that She is focusing on helping people create something that can be a huge asset in their business without having to be a lot of work on an ongoing basis. It's a lot of work to build a course. I'm not going to lie about that. Mm -hmm. But once you have things in place, especially since she's also a huge advocate for things like evergreen funnels... The whole idea is building a business that can kind of run without you having to be constantly in it so that you're able to still live your life or you're able to, in my case, get sick (laughs) or whatever. So that you, this is part of the reason that I admire her so much is that her values align so well with mine, I guess. (laughs) Love it. I love that.
0: I will make sure to link up to her. And, you know, I think while we do have probably two thirds of the listeners, possibly even three quarters are product based business owners. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that something like a course is not open to you. Actually, like a lot of product based business owners teach live workshops of like, here's how to do the craft that I do. Absolutely. If you can teach it in person, you can teach it online. So. Yeah. We'll definitely link up to that. And she sounds really awesome.
1: Yeah. Um, Highly recommended. Cool. Um, What would be a book that you would recommend? So again, I had to kind of think about this. (laughs) I know it's hard. (laughs) I love books. I love books so much. And it's, it's been kind of my lifelong dream to have like the bell um, library, you know, beauty and beast library, but. Um, the book that I've actually been listening to recently, I, I haven't even finished it yet. And I, I've already started talking to people about it because I love it so much is we should all be millionaires by Rachel yes. Rogers. Have you heard of this one?
0: Yes. So good.
1: It is absolutely amazing. Her, her perspective of the fact that women, should be, women should be millionaires, specifically, especially women of color. She's especially talking about her own experience and the the idea that we should all be able to have a life that isn't restrained by a worry about whether or not we can pay our bills. Yeah, And I, I think that one of the big things that... Kind of changed in my mind was when she actually did the math near the beginning. This is this is like in one, I think the first or second chapter that she actually does the math. And in order to live a life where you are able to pay today's exorbitant living costs and still have a little bit of money left over to like do something fun every once in a while you you have to be making a lot more money than what what I've had in my head as being mm-hmm. like oh this is my comfortable amount this is this is what I'm aiming for And I yeah. guess I'm pretty lucky that I live in an area where the cost of living isn't as high as others but it still really changed how I was thinking about what would be enough mm-hmm. Because it's it's not enough to just be getting by it or it shouldn't be like that shouldn't it doesn't have to be. Yeah, that shouldn't have to be enough for anybody. Yeah. Everybody should be able to take care of themselves. So that that one is has already changed the way that I'm thinking and probably will continue as I as I finish the book.
0: <laughs> yeah, so good. And I think another thing I took away from it was. Just kind of removing the idea of like shame around making money. I think a lot of people who listen to this podcast are like, you know, not, I don't want to use the word do gooders, but like people who want to do right by the environment and by the people around them and their communities. And I think sometimes we can be like, oh, if I'm making a lot of money, like, I don't know, there's some kind of like bad that goes with that somehow like greedy or I don't know, there's all these words and associations that we have. And her point is like, when women and people of color and queer people make money, like we do good things with it generally. So like, it's good for everyone when we thrive.
1: But the people that get the most press coverage are the white cis males that Mm -hmm. are shooting rockets into space for funsies. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think that that's part of why it's, it's kind of hard to wrap your mind around it, like making a lot of money and being able to do good with it because not everybody does.
0: (laughs) Right. And, And I think I saw a really interesting infographic about this a few years ago, like the people that we see in the news a lot of the times, like the really wealthy men shooting rockets into space for fun, <laughs> for example, like they are not millionaires. They are billionaires. And the yeah. difference between a millionaire and a billionaire is so unbelievably... Like they are not in the same universe. And I agree that like billionaires should not exist. Like I don't think that it's right that some people have billions of dollars while other people can't eat, you know? No, uh, but, it's but not. But the difference between a millionaire, like you are not you are not in that same universe. If you're a millionaire, you know, it's not wrong in the same way to me that like the fact that billionaires exist to me exactly. is a little bit wrong. exactly. So, yeah. I digress. But great, great, great <laughs> recommendation. As you can tell, I'm also all about it. And if you haven't read it, um, it, obviously it'll be linked in the show notes, but it's really, really worth a read for anyone. Abby, this has been so much fun. I can't wait to share this with my audience. I'd love for you to share where folks can connect with you and find you online, follow your your different developments in your business and your life. Um, and if you want, like, we'll have it linked in the show notes. But if you have a link you just want to read out to that cheat sheet you mentioned, feel free to do that.
1: Yeah. So the main place to find me online is my website, abbyblumsuds.com. That's A B Y B L U M S U D D S. I spell my name a little weird. So I always like to spell (laughs) it out. And to get to that cheat sheet, if you just add a slash on the end and one word, all lowercase cheat sheet, no spaces, you'll get straight to the landing page where you can sign up for it and it'll get sent to your email. Other than that. I occasionally post things on places like Facebook and Instagram. I have a YouTube channel, although I believe that everything on YouTube is available on my blog as well. So awesome. I don't put up content super often, but I do put up things. I, I like to put out free resources when I can, when I have time to do them and yeah. The, the best place to find me is probably on my website and through my mailing list. I send my followers a lot more stuff than, than I post on social. Love it.
0: Yes. And I'm looking at your website right now and I just love this. You say, in other words, I'm the person who's about to make your life a whole lot easier. I love that. And I've yeah. Everyone interested in that from a systems and data perspective, definitely go check out Abby and the resources and sign up for her email list. Um, Abby, thank you so much for being here. I have loved this conversation. I can't wait to listen back to it. I love listening back to my interviews so I can like not be worried about talking and just listen. Um, I think you've shared so much gold here and such an important perspective shift on data that I think could be of so much use to everyone listening. So thank you so much.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me. I've had a lot of fun talking to you. So there
0: you have it. My interview with Abby Bloom Suds. I love her data over drama approach to analytics. So, so good. I super encourage everyone listening to check out Abby's free minimal metrics cheat sheet, which is linked in the show notes. And keep an eye out for her course, which at the time of this recording is still cooking, but should be ready soon. If you want to learn more about Abby and see if her services are right for you, You can find links to her website, as well as everything else mentioned in this episode at makinggoodpodcast.com slash 192. I would love for you to take a screenshot of your podcast player while you're listening to the episode and tag me on social media at Lauren Tilden. And now for the small biz spotlight. Today, I'm sharing my chat with Kara Neeson of Bloom with Kara. Kara is a certified life coach who primarily works with women that have chronic health conditions providing a safe and empowering space for them to show up as themselves. It was so awesome to learn about Kara's path to the work that she does and hear her perspective as a brand new entrepreneur. Also, pairing this conversation with my interview with Abby was a total coincidence, and I love both of these women's focus on working with women that can use a little extra support as they navigate through life. Here is my interview with Kara. Hey, Kara. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Lauren. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to have you and to get to hear a little bit more about your business and um what you're creating because I know it's like a very exciting early days for you. So let's just start there. For anyone listening who does not know you, could you share what your business is or what you're creating right now and um you know what what you're really excited about, what lights you up with all of that?
2: Yes, thank you so much for having me. So My business is uh, based on, you know, coaching foundation and girls empowerment. And so what that people always ask, like, what does empowerment mean? So there's different topics that I talk about from self-esteem to self-love and really just hosting those spaces for girls and women now to come into and have like a space where they could talk and, and feel safe with that and share with others. And my business really is coaching. So coaching women on mindset and those that have chronic, uh, invisible chronic conditions and really helping their mindset because I was there before where I had no support. I didn't know where to go. And getting into this space, I felt like I had to give back and I had a call to give back. That's kind of Mm -hmm. what I I do. I do a lot of one-on-one coaching and also hold group workshops in the Los Angeles area and also virtually as well. Amazing.
0: And you kind of touched on this a little bit already, but what made you start your business? I know there's maybe a personal story here. So whatever you want to share, what is the kind of origin story?
2: Yes, thank you so much for that. asking that question. So I think for me, I was just seeing, you know, on social media all the time. And I was thinking, okay, if they could do this, and I can do this, like, why not me? And I've always had like, this, like, nudge that's been saying, like, start your own business, do your own thing, make it your own. And I just really had to step into that and really let go of any fears and blocks that I had. And once I said yes to myself, more doors have opened for me. So I think Mm -hmm. really just, you know, we may feel like, oh, someone else is already doing this work, but everyone's voice is unique. So I really just Mm -hmm. wanted to support those who may need like an extra cheerleader or extra support on their healing journey and empowerment
0: as well. Yeah. I I bet that the skills you have, like as a coach and someone who does empowering work, I bet that's been really helpful even just for yourself as you go through this process, because I know one thing that I've experienced and so many other small business owners I've worked with is just like, it's very hard mentally to start a business and to, to run your own business. Like it takes so much courage and just like resilience and willingness to keep going even when you're not seeing the results right away so I wonder just do you have anything to say on that concept of like how has your skill set as like a coach helped you in the process of starting your own business
2: Yes, I think that's important too. And one thing too, my background is in educational counseling. And so that, that's that been great. I've been in that field for like 15 years. So I'm like, I want something new with the pandemic. And I think being a coach, you learn those skills like in coaching school. And then I've had to learn them on my own day to day. So having to apply those skills in my life, I feel like I'm able to help others with their mindset and then empowerment as well with with whatever they're going through.
0: Um, what is your favorite thing to do in your business?
2: My favorite thing right now, because it's constantly changing, is to, I guess, partner with other women in the industry. So for example, this past week, my friend and I hosted a mother's daughter workshop because Mother's Day is coming up. So we had, it was our first time, we were both like, we had the, all these ideas and we're like, let's just do this. And so we did it and it turned out amazing. We did power and craft with them. We did like a partner yoga. We did meditation with them. And some of the girls in the beginning were looking at us like, no, I don't want to do this. And at the end, they were so happy and they were mm. smiling. So I think just seeing that small change in like two hours is amazing. Um, that's what I love to do. I love to be in community with others and really sharing my passions and talents and really making a bigger impact um, on the world together.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's such a great example of how, like you say, even like a couple hours can make such an impact. yes. Yes. What piece of advice would you share with other small business owners?
2: Yes, I love that question because I never thought I would be a small business owner. I'm still in the process. But I think really, if you have something that's like telling you that you want to do this, don't ignore it. Like try to act on it and just really find the support from others. Because like I shared earlier, once you start saying yes to yourself, then other people are going to see that and they're going to want to kind of just be around you and be in that space. I think it's just important to honor,
0: honor yourself really. Yeah. Wow. What would be your favorite small business book, podcast or resource? So
2: I was talking to Lauren about this before, but really making good happen. That's how I found Lauren was through Apple podcasts. Like I was literally searching cause I don't have a marketing background. I'm like, marketing is not my thing. So I was searching like marketing small business and I found her podcast and absolutely loved it. So I think that's one of my favorite resources. Um, And I kind of go on social media, but I I don't want to overwhelm myself too much. So I pick intentional resources. So like the podcast, I really feel like for me, I can't focus on something for a long time. So I get that message like in a like a show. Mm -hmm. Um, an episode. So it's really helpful for me to have like those small, like classes pretty much. Um, Yeah.
0: Amazing. Yeah. Okay. Before I ask you where everyone can connect with you and find you and, you know, become part of your universe. I have loved having you as a member of making it happen. You've been a member for a few months now, and it's been so cool to learn about your business and everything that you're building. I would love to just find out like What It sounds like you learned about me through the main public podcast, but Mm -hmm. why did you decide to join Making Good Happen and what is your favorite part about being a member?
2: Yes, I think, like I mentioned before, community is very important to me. So, you know, you can... You can go on YouTube, you can go on a podcast, you can do that. But for me, with Making Good Happen, I think it's really the community and also Lauren, it's just like everyone, if you have a question or something, they're there and like, there's no stupid question. Like, I feel like, oh, I don't want to ask this question, but everyone's there learning together. And I think to me, it's the community and just having that support and learning from others.
0: Yeah. The community is really magical. It is. Um, okay. Last question. Who would you recommend making good happen to specifically?
2: I think I would say, I'm not going to say everyone because it's not going to be for everyone. I think if you're, you know, have a small business and you really are looking to make an impact on the world, whether you're making something or you have something to offer, then that's for you. I think you'll, you'll get a lot out of it. And if you're if you have a goal or a dream of having your own business, I think it's a really great place to start without feeling, you know, so overwhelmed. And again, the community and all the trainings that we have, like the classes, I love learning. So without having to go back to school, this is yeah. my time to like learn because I could go back to school, but I don't want to do that. I don't want to sit in a classroom. Like I don't do well in that type of environment. So this environment, you go at your own pace. We have like our member meetups. So if you're really looking for before that, I think it's for everyone who's kind of looking to do that for themselves. Amazing.
0: Okay, Kara, this has been so fun. Tell everyone where they can learn about you and your work and get connected with you online, all the things. Yes, thank you. So
2: I'm doing a couple, um, working on a newsletter and actually about Substack from Lauren. So I'm kind Mm -hmm. of working on my Substack. So I don't have a name yet. But I'm most active right now on Instagram until I get my website going. I'm not, you know, so like with the technology, but I'm, <laughs> I'm getting there. So at, at Instagram, it's bloom with Kara. So, like, bloom like a flower with Kara. My name's C A R A, and I'm there. DM me, reach out. I'll have my offerings on there. And when my newsletter is launched, Hopefully, you will be the first to know about it because
0: it's coming soon. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, we'll make sure that when this episode comes out, it'll probably be live by then. We're recording this in advance. So yes, um, I'll make sure that's all linked in the show notes. So go check out all the links to Kara's business and Instagram and all that stuff there. And Substack, I'm so excited to hear this. Yes,
1: thank
0: you. Kara, thank you so much. This has been so much fun.
2: Thank you, Lauren. I appreciate
0: it. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Isn't Kara so lovely? I really appreciate her insight and honesty. It has been such a blast watching her business grow. Learn more about how you can bloom with Kara at the links in the show notes as well at makinggoodpodcast.com slash 192. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd be so grateful to have your support. Here are a couple of ways that you can give back to making good. First, I'd be so honored if you would leave a rating and review in your favorite podcast player, and don't forget to subscribe and follow. Second, if you have a friend that you think would enjoy the podcast, send them the link. Today's episode can be found at makinggoodpodcast.com slash 192. And bonus, if you want to take a screenshot while you're listening and tag me on social media at Lauren Tilden, I would be so delighted. This episode was produced and edited by Corinne Monaco of Just Peachy Illustration. Thank you for being here and for focusing on making a difference with your small business. Talk to you next time.